Kaysen. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going really well. How are you? What's your update? Okay, so I am trying to brush up on my French. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. So Ooh-la-la. I. <laughs> if you will. We. Oui. <laughs> I took French in high school. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't that good at languages, but I gave French my all. And then I took Spanish in college, which was stupid. I think I was trying to diversify. That was a bad idea. And I just Yeah, that's kept... like walking into just here as a really hard challenge for something you've never been familiar with. Whereas like, let me take intro to a thing I've already been introed on. Exactly. This is like like hand me my C because there's the best I was gonna do in Spanish class. But we have a trip coming up to Belgium in July, and I figured, hey, let me, like, brush up on my brush up. And so I downloaded Duolingo, and awesome. I was really excited. I passed the first – they were like, if you know a little bit, then let's see if we can, like, you know, push you to the next level. Nailed it. Felt really good about that. And because the two, like, official languages are French and German, I've asked Doug to maybe do a little work on some German so we can, you know... Tag team the languages. Exactly. Exactly. So it's going really well so far. And I really like it. So I take literally 10 minutes of my lunch break every day and do 10 minutes of work. And it's speaking, it's reading, and it's, like, matching words. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in, like, the very you know, intro stages still. But it's it's nice to be actively learning something that has nothing to do with school and like is just completely separate from everything else that I'm working on right now. And I've I've been enjoying it a lot. I love that. It's a lot of fun. I my favorite thing is Duolingo and the activities to like feel because I personally love a language and you were a spanish minor major major i have have a full-on degree wow i forgot i don't ask me to speak about spanish speak in spanish it would come back to you really fast yeah there are like very basic things that i have no i'm like a really uh smart five-year-old got it okay when i speak which is, you know, you think about our five-year-olds, and they, they can do some damage in their speaking. So yeah. I think about a, a Spanish five-year-old, and they can yeah. probably do the maybe, same thing. Maybe more like fifth grader. Oh. <laughs> or like eight, eight-year-old. I don't know. What's I'd reading go, level? <laughs> I'd go ahead and say that that's very different. <laughs> five-year-old. The speaking is five-year-old. The, like, level of reading and understanding and comprehension is It's like eight-year-old. Deeper. Because I know a first grader is six years old. So we'll just kind of go up from there. We'll just say six, (laughs) six year old. Anyway, this it's really helpful because so when we went to Mexico, I Mm. did some brushing up on Duolingo with Spanish and just like getting some of the basic phrasing down is really it like it helped a lot just for like conversations with servers or Mm -hmm. like where's the bathroom exactly um or greetings for people that kind of thing is just like really nice to have much much more helpful than i anticipated and i like how it's like repetitive too Mm -hmm. so it like drills into your brain certain phrases and like bases of phrases so you have something to lean back on yeah and i imagine that's by design but i like it because it really does hammer at home like this is the way you yeah. build build a sentence. And at a certain point, I don't know if you're at this level, um, like when they introduced this in the app, but um, I really like that they in- do it 
in English, and mm. you have to, like, respond in Spanish, and then the flip, so it's, like, Ooh. really doing the English to Spanish, Spanish to English, or whatever language. I haven't um, gotten there yet. And kind of, vers- so you have to think about it in Spanish as well as the other language. I like that, because yeah. you're right, then it does force you to do the thing you're going to have to do anyway, Yeah, but in a safe environment. And you're like, it's like, we already covered this the easier way, mm-hmm. in, in your comfort zone. Sure. Now we're going to push you into... The language zone. I like that Can a you lot. do it? And that's exciting because it's, firstly, it's getting excited for the trip, which I'm very excited about. But also, again, like, having that challenge in a way that I haven't been challenged specifically like this mm-hmm. in a bit. I mean, I'm doing a lot of math, but I, I can, you know, I'll put math away for the rest of my life after this. So yeah. Fire up those language uh, nerves in your Neur- brain. Neurons? I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking bio. Science. So... <laughs> What about you? What's going on? Um, So I mentioned on one of our last episodes that I bought a car and I thought I'd include it in an update because it was kind of a big deal. It was a huge (laughs) deal. And I think we mini celebrated, but we will celebrate again. Congratulations on your new car. Thank you. And so I wanted to just utilize this time as a, a quick, like, hot tip things to keep in mind because it kind of came up suddenly. Mm -hmm. So my advice is to plan ahead, save little by little. And so luckily I was in the place where I had been anticipating that my car was going to be dying soon. (laughs) Sure. And then it happened. Unexpectedly somewhat. Thank goodness that I have some fun set away, set aside so that this isn't like a total shocker or like, I can't do it. Like, yeah. yeah. Because that's a scary place to be. And you had done your research as well. Like, you really have been thinking about what you wanted, what you want to look at, which is another good tip to kind of go by. Oh, yeah. For sure. The the research piece was actually the the most valuable in the negotiation stage because Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what I was, like, what I was walking into and what I wanted and what I needed. And, like, that's actually very important for you to be, like, this is a yay, this is an A, I'm walking away, or, like, let's sign on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also, like, just the advice of you should walk away if you're not getting what you want, um, because I think the whole process, like, I personally was already at the, like, I did all my service for my former car in, uh, at the actual, uh, what is Dealer? it called? Dealership. Yeah, which is always better. <laughs> yeah. So they say <laughs> they come out and they tell me they're like, hey, you're gonna need to do like fifteen hundred dollars worth of work. And I was like, okay, good to know. Um, that's more than the car is worth. So or like the so same that's value. A no. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just gonna pop over to sales, just like I was like, you guys hold on for a sec. And so I went in and um the guy that I was speaking to, because at the time, the Hyundai Tucson was my number one, because mm-hmm. um, I was upgrading to SUV, like, you know, we compact knew SUV level. Right. Um, and so I was like, what do you have? And at the time, I had, like, recently done a little poking around and didn't think that they had anything that, like, fit the trim that I needed and the year and mileage and all those things. Mm-hmm. Again, all important line items that you should, like, have in a note like on your phone to... and ready to access it if you want to have a conversation with someone. Because, again, I I kind of – I was, like, sort of blindsided. Right. Uh, but was prepared enough to be, like, here's what I'm looking for. And so I said, this is what I'm looking for. And the guy was, like, we don't have anything like that. 
but uh, let me take you out to the lot and show you some other cars. And it was just like, he felt like the whole conversation felt a little shady. And he asked to look at my hands to see if I was married. And it was like, Ew. really Ew. problematic for that me. That is really gross. And I was like, Ew, uh, I can't even believe, like, you should have gone to his manager and been like, this is not a good sales tactic. You should fire him. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, you know, he asked me a lot of questions that I was like, I know what you're doing. Yeah. I have like a foundation of work in marketing and I like see, I see what you're doing and it's not going to work on me. That's so gross. (laughs) And so he just, he ended up coming back and saying like, all right, let's get you in this, like, this is the best we can do. So like, let's get some paperwork. And I was like, um, excuse me. No, none of these things. Like, I don't want this car Mm -hmm. and he was like well what if if you fill this out like we can get started with the process i was like is this the process to buy that car that you just showed me because i don't want that oh my gosh (laughs) and i was like i've got to go and so i went back out to um the service desk and the service guys i because again i've been with this brand for 10 years so you know and i know the guys Mm -hmm. and i've been getting my car service there for years so i was like hey this isn't working for me yeah um what do you like what's the level of safety for me to drive this car home (laughs) and they were like you have like two weeks until we like are a little concerned about some of the things that need to be fixed and I was like all right I'm immediately going home and I'm going to do secondary research Mm -hmm. and it was bye (laughs) well and it's nice like you asked the right questions you put your foot down you didn't let someone like roll over you just like I feel like when someone's hammering at you like that it's Mm -hmm. it's easier to just be like stop okay whatever you want like whatever yeah and especially because it was your first choice at the time, like, it would be very easy to just kind of say, like, okay, I'm feeling a little weird, but, like, I need to get this done. So asking the, the service guys about their recommendation was, like, a move that I don't know if I would have made. Yeah. Because you're just, like, you're scared. I mean, like, something unexpected just happened, and now you're just, like, let me just wrap this up and move on. Yeah. So. And I think because I was thinking in my head, like, living this debt-free life that I've been living, mm-hmm. I was, like, to add a $25,000 loan back onto my, like, this is no small shakes. Right. I want to make a smart choice. And so I had no problem just being like, hey, truth talk me or like, give me some perspective because I'm feeling a little weird about this. And I was like, I don't have a, I didn't have an issue walking away and just being like, nope, I'm not comfortable right now. And it was funny too, because I was like, I have to talk to my spouse. And I was like, why did I say that? (laughs) Because he looked at my hands and... (laughs) Well, and but I think specifically it, the word spouse, too. I was like, well, interesting choice. It's like you're just overwhelmed. You throw something out. And I was like, I've got to go. I will speak to you never. Um, but I think just in general, when I went and found the second option and ended up having the conversation and test driving the car and kind of having the comparison, too, like – you should have a top two, top three, because that really helped me weigh the pros and cons in terms of, because like, you know, ideally you want to get the perfect thing, but you don't always get the perfect thing. But what thing checks all the like non-negotiable marks for you? Absolutely. Um. So, and definitely like push back on certain things. Like I ended up getting more back for my trade-in mm. um, because I was like, what can you do on this? Like this is where price, price-wise on like, what I want to spend on the car and what my payments will end up being. This is what I'm, this is where I'm li- living. Yeah. And they were like, I'm going to talk to my manager. So you got in like, like okay, if, it was like weird and uncomfortable, but I was like, dang it. I should have 
pushed harder and like gone gone another round but like i ended up getting what i wanted so which is all that matters at the end of the day yeah but that's all like a great experience that again unless you're like obviously going through this process but like all of the hidden pieces of it that come out depending on the person that you're working with Mm -hmm. is like how do you continue to stay alert and stay like immovable when it comes to what you want and not feel like you're doing anything wrong by staying with what you want and like pushing back on someone who's obviously trying to push you in a different direction or make you feel bad about the direction you're going in like all these stupid mind games that can trip us up so quickly yeah and it really was one of those like intuition gut moments too Mm -hmm. in the first instance where I was like this guy is not good right get out like feel feel that and acknowledge it (laughs) red flag (laughs) such a great fun sketch um but I'm glad that it all worked out I'm glad that you got not like and it's interesting because you're like it's not like you didn't get your first choice it's like oh light of day first choice wasn't it, like, actually going to be ended my first up choice. being my first choice yeah and it's a beautiful car and I really enjoy riding in it thank you I love it road love trip it. so excited um what is inspiring you this week Braun? Uh, back at it with these uh, TED Ideas articles that I love to read every Saturday. Your face. Highly recommend you subscribe, world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Queen oh, speaking whole listeners. world. <laughs> um, but this lovely article uh, gave us a question for us to consider. What if there's nothing wrong with you? Huh. Huh. <laughs> Simmer on that. I can't because it will <laughs> break my brain. <laughs> um, and so basically what the article broke down was that this is wonderful advice for you to consider when you have moments where your inner critic is getting the best of you Mm -hmm. and i love this one quote from the article that um in the end of it it's like it will not all caps change your life but it can help you create a clearing in the busyness of your mind and life and a space of promise and possibility that's yours to plant and cultivate and i just think like having those moments where we're worrying like what did I do? What right. have I done? What am I like? How do I fix this? It's all my fault. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Everything's cool. Like, stop trying to put yourself down in these moments because the reality is everything's okay. And it's so easy to go there so fast. And be, again, we talk about this all the time. Like, it's very easy to just like head in the negative direction and live there versus like give ourselves a little baby door to walk out of and see the light and be like, oh my God, maybe there's something else here that mm-hmm. I can acknowledge that isn't life shattering and see what that does for us. Exactly. I love it. I'll have to subscribe. So this is an, a, a newsletter, the TED Ideas, or is this yeah. just, okay. And it comes on Saturdays? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I very much enjoy it. Highly recommend it. I'll have to and they s- have three different, or I can't remember how many, but they include like four different articles that are related to TED Talks. Got it. That have been covered across the globe. And all of them have like interesting perspectives. And so that's usually why I end up having a lot, because sometimes I open up all four or five of them. And I'm like, these are great. <laughs> like just power through them over coffee on a Saturday. Yeah, because they're, they're quick reads. Like it's a pretty simple breakdown. And then they include the TED Talk that relates to the topic from the, like the person who inspired the article. the article or the thought. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. What about you? 
Adam Grant has become one of my favorite people to read. He's, um, I think he does the, the corner office column on New York times and he is, um, a, a organizational psychologist and teaches at, um, the Harvard business school that is called something important. I can't remember what the name of the business school is called, the Harvard business business school. And so he does a lot around like leadership and he talks to CEOs and different people and, and basically like they're not just their productivity hacks, but like what helps them get their stuff done mm-hmm. um, and kind of dives into that over and over and over again and, and asks good questions. And so this article was really about, um, what's the name of it here? Productivity isn't about time management. It's about attention management. And it talks about how time management is not a solution. It's actually part of the problem. And this is one thing we talk about a lot is how do we manage our time better? How do we become more productive? Like, how do we make sure that we are staying on task for as long as possible? But to your point, probably recently and many times before this about like the prioritization of our tasks, not the time necessarily spent on them is really what we should be focusing on. And that's basically what this article really boils down to is what are we talking about when it comes to motivation around the things we have to do and how do we continue to motivate ourselves to pay attention to the priorities versus like slot in certain things. And I think you've done the exercise where you like you pay attention to your whole day and mm-hmm. say like, what, what, how much time am I devoting to each thing throughout the day? And I think that's different than someone who operates solely on time management. Like I only have this much time to do this task. I think like for me, what it comes down to is like that stresses me out and it, it takes me out of doing the work that I need to get done because all I'm thinking is how much time I have to do it, not actually focusing on getting it done. Yeah. And so this attention management idea is really around like, how do we become motivated to our priorities and what, I guess, what time of day do we feel the most motivated to do them? Not, um, this is the time of day that I'm always most productive or like, this is how much time I have from 8am to 9am to get this one thing done, but really paying attention to how, we feel about the work that we're doing and then how we attack it throughout the day. And I thought this was just one of those things that I'm always looking for ways to like do better work and be more effective at the work I need to get done. And this was just another like article to add to that stack. That's like, okay, what we've traditionally been told doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Or like, here's a deeper level for you to get into this. If like just time management was not, like you did if not wasn't see working. that as priorities. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm like, well, if I don't want to do this thing, but I've segmented three hours to do it, like, right. how does that end up working out? And I just have like an anxiety around time in general. So like that's never going to be the way that I'm going to be most effective. Um, so it's again, like taking all of these pieces of advice and learning what what works for you and what doesn't, and then just continuing to practice on them when they feel good and you feel like they're working. Um, and I feel like this article just kind of like hammered that idea home a little bit more. Yeah, I will definitely read that because I think the concept of attention management is really helpful, especially when you're required to like hop from thing to thing. And what is it that does actually require your attention and how much attention do you like when is it most productive for you to 
fit that into your day. Exactly. And it's like short and sweet. It's, you know, maybe like I like the medium articles or there are some that say like, this is a two minute read. This is a five minute read. I think this is probably like a two minute read, which is always nice. Like quick and easy, digest, figure out how to implement. Quick tips. Keep going. Exactly. And I like Adam Grant a lot. So I'll read pretty much anything he puts out there. I'm going to have to get the scoop on that. Yes, absolutely. Give it to me straight, Sid. What are we talking about today? Well, it's our May Woman Inspiring Team QS episode. Whoop, whoop. We've made it. We're in May. My birthday month. <laughs> birthday month. I'm so excited. I love celebrating your birthday. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> we do bevs. We do cheeses. Those that's are my it. two favorites. Those are That's it. And we get to celebrate. Um, but this month, we are talking about Stacey Abrams. And she is the former Georgia House Minority Leader and recent gubernatorial candidate for Georgia in 2018 for governor. Yes. Yes. Um, Gubernatorial. Is that a word? That's yeah. a word. <laughs> Every time I read it, I'm like, I always want to say gubernational. <laughs> and that's not right. Um, but I think what we're excited to do today, along with all of the women that we cover in this segment, is really like who they are, but then also what we can take away from their story and the way that they do things and what they've kind of put out there in the world. So today, Stacey Abrams is somebody that I personally have just kind of been following because she's everywhere these days. Um, And she's got a lot of real pieces to her. She Mm -hmm. is not someone who is at the podium hiding behind words and speeches and things. She does real interviews and talks about things that are really affecting her life and things that have affected her life for a long time um, and why that makes her a good candidate, but also why that makes her a real person that we can listen to and learn from. Yeah. And I think that makes a really big difference considering the world that the, our political world that we live in right now. And just having someone who's like, truly speaking to the people Mm -hmm. in a way is really nice to have and like recognize like standing up for the fact like hey this is a real problem obviously we're going to get into more of these specifics but you know identifying a problem and actively working toward a solution exactly um let's speak at queens let's do it let's get into the background stacy abrams really made history in 2018 when she earned uh, her Democratic nomination for governor of Georgia, making her the first black female to do so in U.S. history. It's a big deal. Pause for applause. Big deal. So exciting. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk lately about her running for Senate in 2020, perhaps maybe even being tapped for a Democrat vice president nomination. Um, in that same race time frame, <laughs> 2020, 2020, a year we are all looking oh, forward to. It's like gives me the shivers. It's interesting. So, so that was. I think what's great about you know everything that's going on is we get we get a lot of like hot takes around what people think, what people are saying, mm-hmm. what she's saying or not saying, and then we mess that up and say like oh maybe she meant this but said this like we're taking a lot of what we can and trying to just come up with answers because she's been so close to the chest around what her next move is going to be but like in reality governor was her main goal that was what she wanted that was what she wanted and it like 
that we can get into that whole thing another time around why that was just so so gross what happened and I appreciate it. I, I was watching this um, interview with her and she was talking about the reason she didn't concede that race is because when you concede you're saying like this is fine and the outcome is fine and what happened was fine it's like this was a fair race exactly congrats on your win right which and- is not fair Fair which all. is not what happened <laughs> right and so i appreciated hearing that because you always think like when someone doesn't concede you're kind of like can they just not let it go like what's going on but really understanding like what that means to the people that supported her to her herself and to her party it's saying like i don't concede because this wasn't right and the way this went down was not okay and so i appreciated getting that from like her perspective and on kind of like a youtube show that um it feels like again like she's everywhere you can find her on basically every outlet. Uh, She recently did say that, like, to your point about vice president, possibly, she said that that's now off the table, saying you don't run for second place. And I was like, you go, Stacey. (laughs) And it was one of those things where I feel like we were all kind of waiting to see what she did because we know that she would be a great candidate in whatever capacity she chose to run. But hearing someone say, like, I'm going to be I'm going to be your all or nothing. Like, I'm going to be in the top spot. I'm going to be no spot at all. And so so it's been interesting to see the way that she's talking about all three of these opportunities and weighing the impact of every move. Because some people are saying, like, if she doesn't run for president, then what is she doing? If she just runs for Senate, then, like, what does that mean for the six-year run that she's in the Senate? Does she miss another opportunity because, you know, like, so people are really – she's really listening to the people around her to understand – um what every move might mean for the people that support her as much as it would mean for her herself. And I thought, again, like that thoughtfulness, that like consideration of that her running means something to so many people, not just like her place in history, which she's already solidified, but just what she has the power to do in whatever position she might choose to to kind of go in. Um, And recently on this, it's called the Desus and Muro show. It's on Showtime. Time. It was a clip that I saw, um, and they were kind of like coming at her, like, "Tell us, like, you know, it's April. You said you were going to announce in April." And she's like, "April has thirty days." And they were oh. like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was like fun to see her be so like serious and honest and like on top of it, but also like have some fun with the fact that she's on this Showtime show where they just want her to kind of be herself. Yeah. Um, And one fun tip on her background is she's also a published romance novelist. Twist. Stacy. <laughs> yes. And she, like truly published romance novelist, not like, you know, home publisher situation. Like, but I thought that was fun to think about because she has so many identities and I think it reminds us that like because you are limelight in this identity doesn't mean that you can't support yourself in another identity and have like a whole nother side of your being and we kind of preach that all the time like there should be so many sides to you and you're allowed to be all of them and so I thought it was fun that she's like the exact opposite of what I ever thought like a stereotypical politician yeah would be so I thought that was like a fun part of her background and it's always nice when someone has like a total 180 passion project on the side that they work on right it's like that came out of left field right very impressed (laughs) right and like I don't read a lot of romance novels but I know they're very popular so I imagine that she and I don't know if she goes like by her obviously like Stacey Abrams name or if she has like a 
pen name? What's that? Ghostwriter? I don't know. Not Ghostwriter. <laughs> Not Ghostwriter. Pen name. <laughs> pen name. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Um, so just another fun, fun tip. Yeah. Now we want to get into some of the specifics we can learn from her because uh, she brings a unique perspective. Um, and one of the things that I take away from a lot of the work that she's been doing lately, um, especially following the 2018 race uh, for governor, is that she has the ability and like wherewithal to play for the long game mm-hmm. and has been working toward this point for so long and like slight like a slight miss to the thing that she was aiming for. But now what is this like channeling some perseverance to say like, Maybe this will happen in a slightly different capacity. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. like, what now can I take from this experience to feed into the next action plan? Or, right. like, plan slightly changed, how do we adjust? Right. And I think after the election did not um, go to her for the governor race, I think she's continuing to fight for improvements to the voting system, which had a, like, detrimental effect to... Um, what ended up like such a close I say that in quotes because you know close call (laughs) yeah Um, but it was basically marred by voter suppression tactics and since then she and her team launched an organization called Fair Fight to challenge Georgia's electoral system and Mm -hmm. I think it's really powerful um, to know that like hey uh, this what like to your point before of like I'm not going to concede because this wasn't a fair fight right and now she's making it a fair fight Mm -hmm. and taking all those steps and then thinking about how many ways that like what options are available to her now that she has this political standing in so many ways um but knowing that like the changes that she can make and wants to make really have an impact from a state level and like what how she might be able to take what's happened this conversation and kind of start it small and bring it to the larger expanded federal level um and i think that that's just something like how do you take what you do in your world start small and grow from there or like you know what's your action plan of growth right and not just saying like here's the day-to-day but what's what's the long game what's the long game right right I think what I take away from what her focus has been and and so much around like the voting system and how many awful things happen during that process and how many things were brought to light during that process by trying to fix them is that she was laser focused on the root of the problem, Mm -hmm. not just kind of like the not even necessarily like the super large picture in that moment, but what the long game is when you're laser focused on the root of the problem. So it's not um, there are a lot of issues, obviously, with a government. If you're looking to make a major leadership change, you're trying to make major changes happen throughout the system. But because she was like, this is this is what stops people from even being part of the system. This mm-hmm. is what stops people from even being allowed to exercise their right to vote is because of this issue. And I thought that her focus on that really made me think about like, what else are we, what, what have we glossed over because we're looking at something without backing up and seeing what caused it in the first place. Like we talk about voter suppression, we talk about the things that have kept people out of the process because of bogus laws that people put in place just to leave people out. And like, what other things are we looking at that fit that same Mm -hmm. outline? 
that we are we can back up from that larger issue and say, okay, this is actually the root of the problem. Um, and I think about that both like from the like human perspective of the things that we deal with in our day to day life, but also our personal stuff and how we attack our own stuff, our own issues, the things that we deal with every single day that might have nothing to do with anybody else, but are just about us. And I think that's something that we can truly learn from her is that like she has not let up on that even a little bit between fair fight between constantly every single speaking engagement that she is at that is what she talks about and I think that that's continuing to be um, a really powerful speaking point that helps us all look at the larger issues and what we can like almost like (laughs) back into from there and say okay what can we do what can we do to fix this yeah And I appreciate that a lot. That is for sure. She has also been very transparent about how much she values her family Mm -hmm. and what the burden of debt has done to her because she comes from a rural poor family. Mm -hmm. And like to know that and have her be like, this is where I came from. You got to fight to get where you're going. Um, But also just like, how much effort she puts into supporting her family and all the ways that she has. I listened to the Cut on Tuesday's April 9th episode, Mm -hmm. and it just was, like, just to hear different perspectives about people and money and, like, what impact that has on you and how you see the world and how you exist in the world. But I learned about the debt that she's taken on to support her family, which now is upwards of 200K. Right. Crazy. Crazy. Um, And so she worked really hard to get to where she is, but knowing the financial impact of that and, like, the realities of it, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's an important thing to bring to light and to say, like, hey, yes, I'm still running for governor, and yes, I still have this debt, and, like, owe money to the government, too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're like, those things are all still part of my story. And, like, this is also part of a lot of people's story, Mm -hmm. and, like, we're not all these like million dollar trust fund babies who are like fed into this political system and she's like I'm standing here today because my family supported me and now I'm supporting them for all the work that they did to get me here right um but just like revealing a little bit of what behind what's behind the curtain as she's embarked on her campaign um standing behind the debt that she's taken on because it's reflected in like this is student loans and like I also had to take on this debt because of you know this is actual legitimate financial strain Mm -hmm. that comes with being the breadwinner for her parents she's fully supporting them right as as they're raising her niece um and she's also funding like medical bills and rehab for her brother who has addiction um and I think just the acknowledgement of like what stress that can provide that can like live and hover over someone and breaking through the stigma that it's important for us to be upfront about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a message that should continue to stay in the forefront um, because economic inequality is rampant. Yeah. And for us to be able to say like, this is an impact on a lot of people today and let's, you know, try to keep people afloat financially and like what's the larger picture here of how we can you know bring this narrative to light in more ways and just saying like hey this isn't something to be disgraced by right it's just the nature of the world that i live in because i uh have a college degree and i'm trying to support my family as the oldest child right right and not like taking any shame in that and continuing to share like 
this is the reality and part of the reason that makes her, like we talked about right in the beginning, like part of the reason that makes her so human is that she is sharing these things and saying, I am your candidate because I'm like you. Like I am experiencing the things that you've experienced. I actively am working towards zero debt life while also trying to make a statement and make change in our um, government system. Like those are real things that people can get behind because they can see themselves in that candidate. And 100%. I think those are really powerful things to consider and think about and say like, oh gosh, like she gets it. Like she understands what my life was like, like for you when you had student loans and what that was like. And having someone be like, I see you and I understand what you went through in that moment is much more personal than it is just policy. And I think policy is important. I think policy is very important. But I also think having some, I think it's like the new wave of all of the women that just joined um, the House and the Senate is saying like, they are where a lot of people were. Like they're speaking from the people's perspective because they were the people a Mm -hmm. year ago. (laughs) Like, And I think those are things we need to listen to and and kind of account for. Um, One of the things I think taking away from that message around family and and showing up and owning your stuff is that we we all have stuff that we need to own. And I think a lot of times because of the narrative that we are in, either for our work perspective or our personal perspective or the people we surround ourselves by, sometimes it's hard and scary to own that stuff or speak openly about it. And hopefully this is something that we can take away saying like this woman is on a like uber national international crazy huge stage talking about honestly what she's dealt with what she's currently dealing with and what her future looks like when it comes to things that like for so long felt unsavory to talk about but she's out there talking about them because it's the reality so how do we take that message and apply it to our own lives and say like I'm not ashamed by this. Like I have things that I need to share and things that are part of who I am that I don't want to feel bad about because someone made me feel bad about them once before. Um, And I think it also talks about how we can ask for help when we need it. She leans on her family for support in a lot of ways, maybe not financially because she is that, but the support she has from her siblings, she's the oldest of, I think, six siblings. And so to have like that kind of um, emotional support, that kind of help there is something that we can also take away from that. Like, who are we asking for help from either when it comes to how to manage debt or how to manage our emotions or how to like figure figure out how to get to the next day. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is the biggest sign of strength that we can continue to lean into. Um, And I think through all the things that I've seen her speak about, read about her, um, those are like some of her core values Mm -hmm. is, is leaning into her support system in a lot of different ways. And that's something we should be able to take away from this. I love it. Absolutely. What's exciting about this too is that this feels like just the start of what we're hearing from Stacey Abrams. Absolutely. So I feel like we should all stay in in tune and in lockstep with all the things that she is working toward and maybe, you know, some announcements coming soon. Yeah, when this goes, she'll be it, she'll Wait. have made some decision, I think. 
Because end of April, she said that that's that's when it's going to happen. Yeah, maybe so. we'll have a little asterisk in our show notes. Of- <laughs> we now know Stacey <laughs> Abrams is running for blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's official. We're excited to follow no matter what. I mean, she has a book out, too, that very much talks about, like, she said it was like a play-by-play of how she handles her own life and how she kind of got to where she is. And I think, if nothing else, like, whatever her next move is, we still, like you said, have a lot that we can learn from her. We can read her book. We can watch her speeches and just be wowed by her every step of the way. I'm in it. Super excited. Shall we break? Let's break. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening this week. You can follow us on Instagram at queen underscore speaking to continue the conversation. And you can find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See See you next week. week!